Welcome to Demand Does the Six Questions, where the same six questions can tell a unique story. I am your host, Demand, father of two, husband of one, and leader of this here Demodcast. My guest may very well be a contender for the Geek Hall of Fame, which we'll get into later. She's nerdier than her husband who works in video games and is a grown-ass man still playing with Hot Wheels. <laughs> right. She's it's an actor. very cheap hobby. Go ahead. She's an actor, stand-up comedian, and queen of the dork forest. Give it up for Jackie Tation. Hello and welcome to me. I feel welcome, Demond. Yay! Yay! Thank you for Yay. taking time out to talk to a perfect stranger. How are you doing? I'm good. You know, Andy said you were nice, and I think Shlomo was talking to you as well, wasn't he? Yeah, I talked to him last week. Uh, his No, yeah. two weeks ago. I talked to him two weeks ago. Yeah, so I'm married to Andy. Andy has a podcast because hell has frozen over, and everyone has a podcast now. <laughs> and they do a podcast called Video Games and Ethics, or Ethics and Video Games. And the, Andy was like, you should talk to DeMond. And I was like, I'll talk to DeMond. I'll talk to whoever. I don't know. <laughs> especially Zoom. Especially where I could sit in my garage. Right. And then we could just have a nice conversation. Right. It's, 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 um, honestly, the, uh, pandemic has actually helped with this sort of thing. So like yeah. people are like, well, I'm not doing anything at home. So, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I need some sort of social, someone will listen to me. Oh, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm your guy. I'm your guy. Yeah. The, the, uh, the, uh, the Demodcast Cinematic Universe. We're your people. <laughs> Exactly. You have a, the uh, the Mont Thompson Universe, you guys. DTU. Ooh, I like that. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have to sketch that down. I'm gonna, we're gonna work. Please do. That. Please do. Work, someone someone that. said that I, I get the Jackie Cation Universe, and I was like, I love. I love the idea of each of us having our own sort of Marvel Cinematic Universe kind of MCU. There should be a DTU. There should be a JKU. What the heck? Absolutely. We all we're should... all doing nine tasks, right? We're all <laughs> we're all doing like four jobs. So wait, you're only doing nine? Are you have you been slacking? Right. Exactly. Wake up. Get up off your ass, Cation. Anyway. <laughs> oh, before I get into this, because I'm a terrible person. Um, what is the best pun that people have used uh, with your name? Because it took me a minute to like wrap my head around. I was like, it's cation as in staycation or vacation. So has anybody had a right. good plan for it? Uh, people just get it wrong. Uh, <laughs> nobody has taken the time to create a mnemonic. I have. I always say my name is Cation, like vacation. And then nobody nobody cares. They're always like, oh, Kershian? Kershian? And here's... Okay, so I did the improv Sunday night. The Hollywood improv, uh, very nice. And it was just tag team where each comic introduces the next comic, right? Well, I fucked up the person after me, so I don't have a leg to stand on because the guy before who introduced me said Kirshen or uh, he screwed up my name monumentally. And then I screwed up, her name is Zainab? Yeah, I think it's Zainab Johnson. Hey, Zainab Johnson, should not be a problem. Get it together. And, but here's the thing, when I used to host... I would write everything down and I would have no qualms about looking at that piece of paper. Right. And then she got up, 
stuck the landing, introduced the next person, did not fuck it up, got their intro right, got their uh, got their credits right, all of it. I was like, you're a better person than me. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm certainly a better person than Kirk Fox, but that doesn't mean that we all are just full of just terrible, like, it's hard to remember, it's hard to remember the next thing, sadly. And, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have it. The, the mnemonic is Jackie Cation like vacation. And my new album is actually going to be called Staycation because we just had a pen. We're in a pandemic. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And you just recorded that. We're going to get to yeah. that pluggables eventually. You just recorded that a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks ago. It was, I just recorded the new album and I'm trying to, I'm trying to crank it out, get out the, you know, get it published and, and out on Sirius so that we can be happy again so that I could just write new jokes now. So before we get into the six questions, where do you want to be found on the internet? Well, it's Jackie Cation, and Cation is K-A-S-H-I-A-N. So at Jackie Cation is literally, no one else has that name. So on Twitter, Facebook, uh, Snapchat, TikTok, Venmo, knock yourselves out, PayPal, Yes, JackieCation.com has all of it, including a bunch of videos. And, and then you can find my podcasts and you can find my tour, tour dates and you can buy my merch or just look at my merch or just watch videos of me doing stand-up over the last 30-odd years. Do whatever. So JackieCation.com would probably be the best, but it's at JackieCation on all of the socials. So Awesome. All righty. Jackie Cation, are you ready to answer the six questions? I am. Dun, dun, dun. Question number one. When did you know you wanted to do stand-up? After I started doing stand-up. Weirdly enough, I, didn't, we, I did not grow up knowing anything about stand-up comedy. Uh, my mother is a salesman, and so we listened to a lot of sales technique albums. That was the only spoken word we listened to. <laughs> Sell the sizzle, not the steak. A lot of BS. Anyway, so, but it was, you know, got good timing. It really helped my timing in the long run. <laughs> when I was uh, 19, I went and saw stand-up comedy, and I heckled the comedian as the worst it's an against whenever I'm heckled. Because, and the manager eventually had to come up and say, Hey, open mic is on Sunday. Shut up. And so three weeks later, I came back and did open mic. And I might have fallen into a vat of heroin. It was the greatest thing that had ever happened to me. I was like, oh, I am on board. Crazy. So you got into yeah. it by roasting other comedians. Well, just by I was drunk and just shouting things. And they were like, shut up. <laughs> and and uh and he wasn't having a good set so i felt funnier than he did and so the manager came over and was like you have to shut up i know you're drunk i know you're tipping well i'm i don't want to kick you out <laughs> but you have to shut up and open mic is on sundays so come back and so i came back and i i did uh eight months of stand-up i got a 1.8 that semester come on didn't go well. I got really into stand-up. I wanted to drop out of college. My sister was like, nope. 
and it turns out my sister is the boss of me. <laughs> so uh, I was not allowed to drop out. <laughs> and uh, she was like, just, it'll, it, just finish. Just finish college and then do whatever you want. And then when I finished college, she was like, you could do stand-up, but you could also like manage a pizza hut, right? Or a McDonald's. And I was like, that sounds like a 90-hour-a-week job, Darla. And she's like, yeah, but you have a lot of energy. You could still do stand And I was like, stop talking to me. I'm going to go get a shitty job at Kinko's. Leave me alone. So anyway, <laughs> that's what I did. <laughs> uh, so how did you get uh, – so what was your intro into the geek culture? I was born right <laughs> I mean I always read too much as a child because I wanted out right there is no better escape than I'm gonna go read this and not talk to you uh so uh, and not have to develop any kind of social skills or interaction skills or anything and so yeah I think third grade was probably when I started reading hardcore you know it was it was weird because everything is a dorkdom right everything is dorky if you're into it a lot, right? Like if you, even if you're like, if you think about it, people who watch sports, they buy the jerseys, they're cosplaying their favorite football player or basketball player, or baseball player they're doing right. I mean, it's, it's, they're a giant dork, you know, um, the Olympics are on right now, right? Whether I, and you can make fun of me because I like Star Trek and Star Wars and, and comic books and video games and all of sort of the regular nerd stuff. But the Dork Forest, like I had a guy on once, great comic, David Huntsberger. His dorkdom was horses. And he lovely loves horses. And his favorite thing about horses, he told me in the course of the hour that we talked, was when you were standing next to a horse and your face was right behind the horse's nose. And he said, if you smell right there, it smells like horse and grass and it's my favorite smell in the world. And I was like, that's weird, man. That's weird. But... You know, if it stops the voices, who am I to who am I to say, right? If it if it stops it from being, if if the thing about hot, our hobbies and the things that we love, right, is that it often stops us from being horrible people. <laughs> so, whatever you need to do to not be a jackass, Jackie Cation is on your side. You know, I just last week's episode was Rummy Cube, which is a board game from like the 12th century or the 1950s, whatever. It's essentially rummy, but done in tiles. It's dumb. It's not anything I, I mean, I would play it. I'm not above, I love a board game, but for the love of God, it, it sounds like a very basic board game. It sounds like sort of a mix between rummy and Scrabble. And you're like, okay. I mean, and it was a nickel. I was at Target yesterday. It's for sale. You could buy Rummy Cube right now. It's spelled K-U-B, by the way, Rummy Cub. But Rummy Cube is how it's pronounced. And it's Rummy, but it's also a tile game. <laughs> Dead silence from DeBond. Wow. <laughs> the one this week is uh, is a board game, another board game one. But it's about the board game Gloomhaven, which I've never played. And I'm okay with that. It looks like it feels pretty dense. Some some of the most intense board games are just they're ones Andy likes them, 
you know, and a lot of my friends are into the, like, the deep dive. I'll play. I like board games. My favorite board game right now is a cooperative, not really cooperative. It's a, it's called Jaws, and it's based on the movie Jaws. Yes. One person plays the shark. Three people play those three guys in the boat. And the first half of the game, you uh, Jaws tries to eat swimmers. You The three guys try to stop him. And then the other side of the game is you're on the boat and Jaws is trying to eat the boat and you, and you're trying to kill Jaws. That sounds like this, fun. It's super fun. And it's not long. It isn't complicated. We all had a good time. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and you might get eaten by Jaws. That's hilarious. I mean, the game is incredibly well-balanced. I now know more about games than I've ever thought because Andy's a game designer. Right. But it is fascinating. Anyway. Question number two. What do you wish you had known when you first started out? Well, you know what they say. Youth is wasted on the young. You never know how hot you are. Like, like sexually. Like, you're just like... And the, the weird thing about being a woman is... Like, even as a 19-year-old, right? Even as a 22-year-old, I wasn't classically good-looking. Like, it wasn't, like, TV, like, good-looking. I still kind of transferred some of that into some work. I'm just saying is that there's a way to use what you got. And, um, and I didn't use everything that I had. And that's okay. I mean... If you look, but but I would I would I would recommend, not that I'm not saying that you shouldn't live defensively, ladies, ladies, please live defensively, uh, and uh, but but know that you have. There is some power in being sort of young, in in just just the fact that there's a forty year old who thinks who's like God, that's really good looking, like because I'm fifty six years old, right? And if I, if I, I did a, a road, I did, this is, I'm not the hero of this tiny tale, uh, but I'm not also the, I'm not Louis CK, right? So I'm, I'm in Eastern Europe performing for the troops. They're showing us around the helicopters and the tanks. And I'm standing next to these young men who are in the army and they are all different looking young men but they're all about 22 or 23 years old. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, they're all very, very hot. I don't understand what is happening inside. Like I'm getting, I'm getting the Peter Tingles over here for these young. And I'm like, A, married, B, a hundred years old, leave them alone. And so I didn't do, I didn't do anything. I literally, demand just had impure thoughts. And uh, so what I'm saying is if you are 22 years old, and even if you don't think you're hot, uh, old people think you're hot. Middle-aged people think you're hot. And you could transfer, you could use some of that. Why didn't I cut myself some more slack instead of looking at a magazine or looking at TV or something and get, beat myself up because I was, you know, I don't know, 20 pounds more than I ought to have been or 30 instead of going, you know what some people like? 30 pounds. Some people like 30 extra pounds. They're on, they're on board and, and calm down. Question 
Number three. What is your go-to order at your favorite hometown restaurant? Here's something that I would encourage. I'm, I am from a little town outside of Milwaukee. And in the city of Milwaukee, all over Milwaukee area, there are Greek family restaurants. They're diners. They offer something that I would recommend that absolutely everyone somehow figure out how to put on the menu. And it is gyros and eggs. Gyro, gyros, uh, gyro, gyro, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, I am not Greek. So, uh, but the thing is, it's a delight. Who doesn't like gyros with tzatziki sauce and onions after a bar, right? Uh, late at night. Think about that the next day, but with a couple of eggs. Yeah, scrambled together with uh, some onions and some tzatziki sauce. Not only does that sound delicious, I may be going somewhere for lunch after I leave. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> Los Angeles is full of some of the greatest food in the whole wide world because we're crawling with humanities, right? Right. Someone, a friend of mine's coming to town to go to lunch and uh, she, she does, she lives far away, whatever. But I, she was like, I miss like a unique kind of bunch of food in Los Angeles. And I was like, well, here she's like, like you can't, she lives in Switzerland. She's like, you can't get good Mexican food in Switzerland. And I was like, shocking anyway. Uh, and I said, well, what do I, I said, I have two favorite. There's a Oaxacan place that has really good mole. And then there's a, a Baja place that has like really good, really fresh, like shrimp burritos and stuff. Like the seafood's really good. And, uh, and then I was like, but if you want Cuban, there's this really good, you know, just like they grill chicken and, and make Cuban sandwiches and have those potato bowls. I pop a K Rico. And then there's also Mambo's if you just want uh, pork. And then if you want Southern food, I just found a place. It's called Mom's House, H-A-U-S, spelled German, owned by people from Louisiana. Like it is black owned. It is perfectly spiced, like not too spicy, so full of flavor. It is red beans and rice, gr shrimp and grits, and uh, rib tips are the three things I've tried in the last two weeks. So, uh, yeah, it's out of hand. Anyway, and then there's an Argentinian place that I won't have steak and eggs anywhere else now because the Argentinians are doing vital work with, uh, with a piece of meat. Question number four. What are you curious about? Oh, uh, I think death right now. That's not, that's, it's not a cry for help, folks. Uh, but uh, it is curious to me, like, what's next, right? Because it's inevitable and it's annoying. You know, my father once said, he doesn't remember this, but uh, my father once said, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you kind of want to kill yourself. In your 40s and your 50s, you don't want to kill yourself anymore. You're just willing to die because you're like, I'm exhausted. But once you hit like your 60s and your 70s and over that, you're just like, I just need like three more years. I just need like another couple of years. I just need another week. I'm almost done. I just need a little more time. And so it's always interesting to me that, you know, what it is, you know, like it can't be. I don't know why it can't be, but I think to myself, it can't be over. 
right? It's not, it's like matter, you know, matter doesn't go away. So it's got to be something else. It's scary a little bit, you know, but I am slightly terrified. That fear of the unknown will do it for sure. Cause uh, none of us, none of us know there's rumors that somebody did, but none of us have talked to him. So Mm-mm. no, no, but the details are all fuzzy. Even if you've gone away and come back, the details are still fuzzy. Yeah, you no just kidding. have to trust. I think that cause you can't stop it. Right. So you just have to trust that it's, that it's just going to be, to some extent, it's like waking up every day where you're like, well, it's a good day, it's a bad day, but it is a day. So I might as well do something with it and try to, you know, and try to help someone in front of me and try to not be sad or angry the whole time, you know? <laughs> How much does your how much does the does your curiosity well not just in death but just in general um, inform your comedy? How much does my curiosity inform my comedy? Mm-hmm. Probably a hundred percent. It's got to be right because I mean, it's like when you think about comedy you don't enjoy, right? That's that's the comedy that they're in. That's the it's it's like anything. It's anything I don't enjoy. I'm like. Well, that's what that artist is interested in, right? So part of me, like if I don't enjoy somebody's comedy, it's usually because I'm like, I don't enjoy what they're curious about. And people can tell me until the cows come home that they're doing a character, but fuck off. You know, it's a character about something you want to talk about. It's a point you want to make. So... If you think you're being all edgy and interesting and all these things by by talking about the things that you're talking about, you know, and and that being said, if things you can talk about anything, but it's it's it better be funny. And I don't have to like it. You know, and so if it's funny to somebody, congratulations. I hope you buy a house, uh, but I don't have to like it. And I, and I don't, right. I mean, I can walk out and, and that's, that's what I tend to do just because I see so much stand up, and standup comedy is really hard. And I know that when people first start doing standup comedy, we all are just th- are monkeys, right? We're just throwing shit at the wall, hoping to make something stick. We're all shock jock. We're all doing that. But if you've been doing stand-up for 10 years or 15 years and you're still shock jock, that's, I'm just like, well, that's, it literally just feels like laziness. It feels like you're not taking the time to really delve into it. Like one of the things I love about Louis C.K.'s older material is that he was talking about all of these sort of unwanted thoughts, right? All of these things that aren't, that are hard to admit that we think about or want to do or do all these things. And then he would process it. So the fact that it came out that he did a gross thing and admitted that he did it, you know, standing in the doorway with your hard dick, you know, thinking that, you know, just like, just watch me. I just need you to watch me jerk off for a minute. And, uh, and these two women are like, he's kidding. Right. You're like, it's hard to be, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to kid with a hard dick. Uh, I know enough men 
that you're deathly earnest when your dick is hard. <laughs> it's one of the most earnest things about you is uh, you're very, very serious <laughs> about whatever's happening. <laughs> and uh, so uh, you're not kidding. You aren't kidding. Like when, uh, there's another comic, Doug Stanhope, who uh, I've seen his dick. Absolutely never hard. He is always kidding. He is he is he is a six year old boy going. Look at my floppy penis, and uh, you're like, I don't want to see that either. But I don't feel intimidated by it, <laughs> right? It isn't it isn't terrifying. It's just gross. But if, but here's the point: is that if Louis C.K. could write that joke about why he did it, what it means, and sort of examine it, like he's done with a dozen other topics, right? He could find something funny in that. I'm sure of it. And it would fix whatever makes him want to take advantage of his power. That would make him do that. That's interesting. I didn't. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. It would. I think it would help him. It would help us. <laughs> it would help all of us. And it would. And I think it would correct course correct his fan base because his fan base has turned into a bunch of apologists for his shitty behavior. And it's it's disappointing because I'm a fan, right? Yeah. It's like Cosby, right? Where yeah. where you just want to go, dude. And and granted, there's there's a higher standard, obviously, that black people are held to than anybody else. And Bill Cosby really he he kept to that standard almost entirely but then he had a weird offshoot like a time variant that you're like what the fuck and i mean you, i mean i get it you gotta turn it off right you gotta bleed it off somewhere but man like this the, the cool stuff that bill cosby did was super cool the the fact that he's a whole person and part of that person is genuinely evil uh is is really disappointing and you know there has to you know what when he dies it will be possible to enjoy his stand-up comedy again <laughs> just because same with you know humphrey bogart or i mean i don't know what humphrey bogart did actually but i mean what the other people who are horrible right and yeah but it's a drag Question number five. Is there anything I should have asked but didn't? Not yet. I can't imagine. <laughs> Go ahead. Maybe question number six. Ha <laughs> ha. Ah, well, where did the idea for the Dork Force come from? I had a bit back in the late 90s. It was in my half-hour special on Comedy Central, so it's on one of my early second album probably which is sort of a redo of this homemade album i did back in the middle 90s wow. and uh so uh i used to do a, a, a joke about about the dork forest about how deep into the dork forest i would have to go to find someone i would not hang out with and then i did one of those list jokes where you're like i'd have to get by the beanie baby people and the star wars guys and the star trek you know and then it, uh, and then I found somebody, and it's the war reenactment guys, who I used to hang out with, but I can't anymore. And then that's how the 
the joke went. And so the dork forest came up. That was the, that was the term I used. And I was like, well, if I'm going to have a podcast. And at the time that was just a, essentially a recorded conference call in 2006, blog talk radio were just recorded and uploaded it to iTunes with, with, you know, they were just like, you just talk into the phone. And so I did that with my buddy, Joe Wilson for like the first three years, three or four years. And then we went to pre-recorded. And so I've been doing it for a long time. In September, it'll be year 15, 15 years. What are some of the most memorable um, subjects of dark, of dark forest? I almost said dark forest. Uh, the dark forest. Everybody thinks I'm saying dark forest because the forest can sometimes be dark because of the shade. There's a fan list. There's a fan favorite list if you wanna if you wanna get technical, and it is um, the one. I mean, I've I've already mentioned a couple, and um, I would say in in the last year and a half, one of my favorite ones is this guy Branham episode which was about the Mitford sisters which is some British family of six kids he was an earl the dad and he would make his kids hunt each other in the in the 20s like foxes like with like British hunting they would say he'd pick one of his kids and the other five kids had to hunt that kid and they all grew up the son died in World War II the five girls one of them I guess dated Hitler briefly uh, one of them became the Duchess of Devonshire, and one of them, I don't know what happened to the other two girls, but the, the third one I remember about, because it's an amazing episode with Guy Branham, was she ended up teaching law at UC Berkeley, and Hillary Clinton was one of her students. What a weird family, huh? Um, Sarah Mowry comic uh, talked about Fleetwood Mac. That's where I got to learn that Stevie Nicks is in Fleetwood Mac. The musical episodes of The Dork Forest are kind of amazing because of how little I know about music. There's, really? We did... Who was that who did Jay-Z? And I said, who is Jay-Z? And he said, of all the questions that I thought we would start out with, who is Jay-Z was not the one. And, uh, and then... And, and and he was talking about a lot of different pop music. And I said, you know, I don't know that I've ever heard a Beyonce song. And he goes, Jackie, you have been to a gas station. You have heard a Beyonce song. You have been to a grocery store. You've heard a Beyonce song. And I'm like, excellent point. And I have since noticed that I have, uh, that I have heard many. Dolly Parton, two different people did Dolly Parton episodes. I didn't know anything about Dolly Parton. Uh, it turns out Dolly Parton's cool. If you enjoy one hour of someone talking about something they love, feel free to go to dorkforest.com and scroll your heart away. And in the last year and a half, we've uh, we've added video. So, super fun. Question number six. If you could create a new holiday, what would it commemorate? Ooh. I like Christmas so much. I guess it would just be more Christmas. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that is a weird question. <laughs> I got nothing on that one. More Christmas. I love. What? I listen to Christmas music all year long. Oh, that's so gross. You never worked in a mall, did gross. you? Oh, where do you work? You never worked in a mall, did you? 
Uh, no, no, I never did. That that never that'll that, that changes your tune. Uh, I worked. I'll in. tell you something. When I was a child, there was a dystopian future-like moment when I was about five or six years old. The tiny town that I lived in had uh, attached to light posts these these speakers that would blare Christmas music. It was super weird. I feel like I don't know if I'm imagining because I was only like four or five years old. I was like, am I imagining that? Because it felt like a Soviet propaganda film. <laughs> like, what on earth is happening in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where there's Christmas music blaring on Milwaukee Avenue in 1970? And I have to say that our ice cream truck in our neighborhood in Van Nuys, it plays Christmas music all, all year long. And weirdly, soundtrack to The Godfather. Wait, what? Ice cream truck. Ice cream truck. <laughs> <laughs> How crazy is that? The final word. This is advice I give to myself all the time. And I fail. I fail at taking it, which is you have to give up on the results. You have to do it because you like it. You have to run it up the flagpole and see if anyone cares. And if nobody cares, you have to keep doing what you do because you like it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And this concludes another episode of Demond Does the Six Questions. If you like what you heard, tell the world by logging on to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also follow the show on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Demond Does. You can also send any comments, suggestions, or questions to Demond Does, all one word, two Ds, at gmail.com. Until next time, see you. Hear it, speak it, 